0: All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us here at Dominion Church. For those of you joining us on our streaming through Facebook or through our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC, uh, or maybe you're joining us through the Dominion Church podcast experience. We appreciate you uh, just receiving from us at whatever platform works for you. I would encourage you if this message blesses you, like it and share it. That way more people can be blessed because that's What's in our hearts? We want people to be blessed by what we bring to you. I'm just so excited, Uh, you know, each week we're seeing nations around the world, an international audience for our podcast experience. That's an amazing thing. Uh, One of the beauties of technology for sure. And so uh, today we're gonna be starting a new series and it's called The Sound Mind. The Sound Mind. And of course that's out of that verse in 2 Timothy, we'll get to it in just a minute. Uh, and, and this session, session one in this series, we're going to be talking about love. Now for the people that are here local at Dominion, I, I probably if we just did wagers, I would think most people would probably, they know it's safe to bet on the side of love because I, I feel like I talk about that now, uh, probably more than just about anything else. And, and, the, and the reason is simple. It's profound. It's, uh, It's a message that you can never wear out, and it's a message you can never stop exploring, is the love of God. And so we're gonna look at the love of God within the context of this series on the sound mind. So we're gonna just jump into this. So when we talk about a sound mind, okay, there there is so much in in world culture, in national culture, you know. I know there there are nations that listen to this podcast and, and that get this stream. There are so many things that are trying to rob us of a sound mind. It, 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 there, there are, there's chaos, there's distraction, there's, I mean, there's depression, there's things that are trying to still our joy, to steal our focus. Uh, but I want to tell you that the promise of God is that He has given us a sound mind. Now, one of the things I want to mention out the gate in this series is that we're, we already are at a disadvantage if we carry around weak mindsets. So before we look at outside forces, let's look at some internal things that we have to deal with. So if we live out of weak mindsets, well, then that's going to keep us from living out of the reality of having a sound mind. That, that should be pretty easy to connect those dots. So I, I mention again outside forces, but if internally we have some things mixed up in our thinking, then it should not be a surprise to us when we cannot live with clarity, when we cannot live with a sound mind. Another way of saying it is this, living out of a weak or unsound gospel produces a weak and unsound life. Because that's what drives our experience. The the world is waiting for that experience. But as the family of God, we should be driven by the gospel. Again, what's problematic is much of what we have labeled as gospel is not sound. Because it does not accurately reflect the character and nature of our good father. And so we've already shot ourselves in the foot. We're given a promise. You you have a sound mind, but then we're trying to wade through all kinds of internal static. We're not even sure we have peace. And we're trying to have a sound mind, right? So again, the verse, I don't want to hold off on that anymore. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind. Say sound mind. So we're we're just going to grab this verse like it's a wet uh, washcloth, and we're going to wring out every bit of water that's in it. So again, we go back to the beginning, and we look at how this verse begins. God has not given us, there's one thing it mentions there, the spirit of fear. Now, I know there's a lot of people that their their entire life is dedicated to searching out spirit activity, demonic activity, spiritual mapping, all that. I just want to tell you, this verse is not talking about an actual spirit of fear. There's not a spirit that's walking around called fear, okay? Um, Perfect love casts out fear. So God's in us. Fear doesn't get to to, to live in the same place. It doesn't get to uh, share habitation. Right? And so the spirit of fear is not an actual spirit. It's a mentality. It's a way of thinking. If you're driven by fear, so, but, but here's some security. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. So if we're doing things driven by fear, there's some type of a disconnect that we have to go and correct. So then the next thing we hear is this. Well, what has he given us? Power love, and a sound mind. So again, I want to back up. What robs us from having a sound mind? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear robs us of a sound mind. So what does God do? He replaces the fear with power and love. So if you're doing an equation in your imagination, this is how it would work. Fear equals an unsound mind. Power and love equals a sound mind. In this verse, sound mind, that that phrase sound mind, is also translated as a self-controlled mind or a self-disciplined mind. Huh. So God has given us power. Love, and self-control, or self-discipline. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, the power of God. This is not talking about might. This is not talking about the strength of our own hands. This is the power of God. And then he doubles down and he gives us love and go get your Greek concordance out. Love, the Greek word in this verse, agape, the God kind of love. So what does God do to reinforce our ability to live self-controlled and self-disciplined lives? He gives us the God power and the God love. Wow. So there's anything that's coming after our peace and our joy and our ability to have a sound mind... We have to make sure that we understand, wait, I've got God power and I have God love that's fueling my experience. First Corinthians 2, I'm gonna start in verse 9, and I'm just gonna go through several of these verses. Again, you've heard these before. I want to I start here intentionally. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love God him. I've heard that verse preached so many times and most of the time they don't include the verses that follow because they try to use this as a platform with how God does things that he doesn't reveal to us. But if you continue in the verses, we find out, wait a second, all these things that have never entered into our hearts, verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Again, I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. There's nowhere in those verses did it say that God is thinking something that he'll never allow you to think. That God is planning something he doesn't want to let you in on. No, it simply says this. The Spirit knows it all, and the Spirit reveals it to you. Well, so here's, uh, I think, a really good question. Well, then how do I get access to it? I get access to it by intimacy with the Spirit. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. When God gives us something, the Holy Spirit also gives us understanding with what to do with it. And that's something. Verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. but we have the mind of Christ. So again, when we use this phrase and we talk about the the, the title of this series, The Sound Mind, it's not Matthew's mind. It's the mind of Christ. Now sure enough, I, I possess it. Come on, it lives right here. I have the mind of Christ. We all corporately have the mind of Christ. That is the sound mind. But it's not distant from us. That's what I want us to understand. That's why I open up all those verses. We didn't have to read them all, but they, they really make a great point. Okay, well, God must have had plans and you know, we just don't understand His ways. Prove that. These verses say that you have understanding. Well, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. Prove that. I mean, it's true, but he doesn't uh, give us the exit from his plans. He includes us in the plans. When it says something like his ways are higher than our ways, it means this. He has strategies in mind we would never employ of our own strength. He has outcomes in mind. He has a path in mind that we would not take otherwise. But thank God we had the wisdom and the revelation of the Holy Spirit to navigate things that otherwise we would not have a reference point for. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. We have a sound mind. So in this first session on love, this is the weak mindset that I want to hit head on. Now, just let me say it, and then we'll walk it out uh, through our time together. So this is the weak mindset that we're going to look at in this first session. Here it is. Are you ready? I must love God. That's our weak mindset we're going to go after. I must love God. We're going to make some sense of it. Hold on. So here's the sound mindset. God loves me. First John four nineteen puts how love works in the kingdom of God in perfect order. This is how it goes. We love because he first loved us. He loved because we we love because he first loved us. Loved us, And this brings me to a, to a question I want to ask. What questions are we asking? What questions are we asking? And there's an amazing place here in Scripture. We're going to open up Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to find a place where a question is asked of Jesus. And I feel like a lot of times we'll look at things that Jesus said and we don't look at, look at them in the context in which he said them. Because in Matthew 22, starting at verse 34, Jesus is answering a question. So we have to look at the context of what he's saying, and this is all that's going to tie into the weak mindset versus the sound mindset. Matthew 22, starting at verse 34, we're going to read a few verses here. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them a lawyer, that should, that should put the red flag up right there, <laughs> Ask Jesus a question to test him. So right out the gate, before we go another step, the setup is this. Jesus had already offended a religious group of people, so another religious group gathered together. They appoint a really smart guy as the lead, and the reason he's about to ask this question, we're told the purpose is to test Jesus. So the question is already misplaced. It's not asked for the purpose of gaining wisdom. It's asked for the purpose of entrapment. And so here's the question. And I love, the, I love this false flattery verse 36, teacher, so can you hear the lawyer talking to Jesus now? Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus said to him and answered, You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first command. And the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. So again, I want to look at these verses, revisit them for a moment. Jesus is answering a question that is asked directly to him under false pretense. The question is meant to trip him up. And so he answers the question wisely, and how does he answer it? He summarizes. That's what he's doing in that moment. He is summarizing the full intents and purpose of the law and the prophets. In other words, everything written up to the life and ministry of Jesus, that is what it is trying to communicate to its audience. What? You have to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then there's another one. It's like the first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I have heard many great messages on these two laws and, and ministers that are saying, this is it. This is it right here. This is all you have to do. And we trivialize it and we make it sound like it's really easy to do. This is all you got to do, guys. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Have any of you guys ever tried to do that? You don't have to answer. Those of you on Facebook, those of you listening, have you ever tried to love him with all of your heart, mind, and soul? Um, I'm, I'm reminded of Paul, the Apostle Paul. As we know, he was Saul, member of the Sanhedrin, Pharisee among Pharisees, uh, basically the top-ranking religious official of his day. And he said of himself that he kept the law. That's tough, right? Uh, There's not a great record of anyone confessing that they kept the law because it is not easy. And the summary of the law and the prophets. So the law is this, love God with everything. And then you can summarize the prophets, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What Jesus was not doing, he was not saying these are the laws of my kingdom. He was not saying these are the laws of the better covenant. He wasn't saying these are the relational laws. He was answering a question directly asked to him, and he summarized them perfectly. Again, we're talking about what questions are we asking? So I know growing up, I wasn't even taught to ask this kind of question or to say these kinds of things, but I would cry out to God, "God, I just I if I could just love you more, then I know I would be okay. If I could just please you." And And I'm asking these questions and I'm crying out because I don't have a revelation of the questions to ask and what the truth actually is. So I was walking in a weak mindset. My entire mentality was on my ability to love him. But now let's look at what Jesus actually has to say on this issue when he's not being asked this pointed question. We find it in John 15. We'll start at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now let's stop for just a moment. If we're not careful, the way we approach writing and literature, we miss the order of how this works. Jesus sets up his audience... And then he gives them the answer to everything he's saying beforehand. But if we're not careful, when we hear this, this is what happens. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in me if you keep my commandments. And our mind goes straight to Exodus 19. And we think of the Ten Commandments. And then we start thinking of all these other commandments that are laid out. Right? That's how, that's how our minds work. But Jesus, he speaks the need... And then he gives the command. So what command is he talking about? Okay, guys, keep my commands. And actually, the commands became a command, and here it is. This is my command. This is what I'm talking about. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, actually, I even fulfilled these commands with me and my father. Loving others as my father loved me. Love others as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Then someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, what is he commanding? Love one another, as I have loved you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another do you see the major differences that we've just opened up in matthew you have a law based system making a demand on jesus and the filter through which they make the demand is this how much do we have to love god and jesus says well according to the law and prophets it has to be everything all your heart mind and soul and you have to love your neighbors as you love yourself. And you guys have heard me minister on, you can, you can you know, punch holes in that one all day long. Why? Because what happens when you have a bad day? What happens when you don't love yourself? Does everyone, you know, feel your wrath and fury? I just woke up feeling crummy, so then everybody else has to feel crummy. Why? Because you only have to love them as much as you love yourself. And guys, I don't want to get on a soapbox on this, but I've met lots of people that hate themselves. So how does that law work for them? The lens through which they were asking was a law-based, legislative-based question, system, lens, filter. But then when Jesus is releasing the truth, he comes from a sound mindset, and he says it's not about your ability to love God, it's about God's ability to love you. And once you have a revelation of how much He loves you, then you have the capacity to then love one another. This is what we call agape love, the God kind of love. Let's talk about it. Agape love is unconditional. I'm purely unconditional. You know, when I was going through this and thinking about it, I was like, Lord, I'm not 100% sure that as humans we have the best reference points for what unconditional love is because there are times, it, aren't you guys with It just gets exhausting. You know, and, I, and I'm with you. Well, you know, parents with their kids. Yeah, that, that's probably about as close as we get to unconditional love. But God loves even beyond that. Because even within our parental children paradigms, there's still reciprocation of that love. Could you imagine God as the good father of all creation, that he relentlessly loves people that will never reciprocate, that will never love him back? And then we'll stop and say, well, well, only God can do that. Yeah, but we're also told, according to 2 Timothy, he gave us the same kind of love. Not just so we could receive it, but so that we could also give it. The agape love of God is connected to my sound mind. A lot of times what stills our joy is people that we should be loving we're busy persecuting and talking about. And then we wonder why we're robbed of our peace because that love that God's put in you is connected to having a sound mind. So then all of a sudden you can't sleep at night. It's because you should be loving people. You need to keep your mouth off of them and just love them. Okay, And can't get any help on this. Agape love, this is the kind of love that is always extended in your direction. It doesn't ask anything of its recipient. As the famous worship song declares, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. That is agape. That is unconditional. That is one way love. Owing and deserving have no place in agape. <laughs> in other words, God does not bait you into the kingdom with unconditional love and then make you earn it for the remainder of your Christian life. That's Religion does that. A relationship says, hey, this even if you don't love me back, I'm still going to love you. That boggles the mind. Because anything, and I'll just speak for myself, it is so difficult to process truth when it is not transactional in its quality. Meaning what? You scratch my back, I will scratch yours. You be friendly to me, I'll be friendly. You reach out to me, I will reach out to you. God is not that way. He'll reach out if you haven't talked to him in a decade. He'll, he'll be there with you in the places where you're cursing him and saying, I don't want anything to do with you. He's right there with you. You can shout, I hate you. And he's shouting back, I love you. And if you can imagine, and in his heart, it's 100% true. There's There's no sorrow in it. I want you to have the best of all that I have. Here it is. Wow. Romans 5, 6 through 8, some of my favorite verses. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. For us. See, I feel this is the most concise picture of agape love articulated in Scripture. is in this thought right here. God extends the most profound example of His love, which is Jesus. See, God did not even want His love to be categorized in the place of emotional theory. He actually put flesh on top of His love. And it's manifested as the person of Jesus. So if you really want to get technical with it, you can touch his love. You can embrace his love. You can feel his love in a tangible way. It's amazing. So God extends this profound example of his agape, his name is Jesus, towards us all. Not while we were whole. Not while we were holy. He didn't just come visit while you were strong and accomplished and deserving. No, He came and showed us this amazing love while we were powerless and lost in darkness and in sin. And then this type of reckless love is so intentionally extended towards us in our weak and powerless state that He labels that moment of our encounter with His love to be the right time. We have so many people in the world right now, they're so busy trying to figure out how to love God that they've skipped over how profound His love is for them. And then, I can't go back and go through all these verses, we're running out of time, but then to discover that our capacity to love is born out of His first loving us. You know, you want to talk about a new kind of evangelism, a new wave of evangelism, I believe it's going to be an evangelism of revealing what's always been hidden. See, classic evangelism is we're trying to get God to come into a person from a distant place. But but authentic evangelism is awakening to what has always been. Right? So here's a question. Can a person who doesn't know the Lord love another person? You don't have to answer out loud. Listen. Listen. If your answer is they can, can an unsaved person love another person? I've seen, I've seen adults that don't know the Lord that love everything about their kids. They, I mean, almost to the point of idolatry. They just love them. Every smile, every quirk, every drop of drool they think is just perfect. And since we know that the Word of God is true, their capacity to love Was born out of God loving them. So maybe I would see a change in the effectiveness of ministry if I would simply help them to discover what they've already had given to them. Instead of making our journey about trying to close the gap between us and God, you introduce them to this thought well, what if there is no gap? Maybe you can awake into his likeness. It doesn't say that when you awake, then he'll buy the airline ticket and find his way to you. No, you'll awake into, unto his likeness. There's no distance. There's no separation. The one way love of God meets us in our failures. I love there's a song that we do that says, he's not afraid of your story. Religion's afraid of your story, but God's not. Do you want to know why? Because he was a partner in the journey. He was there all along. He never left you, never forsook you. Never, not one day, not one moment. I shared this a few weeks ago, I can't remember when, but listen, you, even at your most desperate, you have never known a moment where God was without you. You might have felt, you were without God, but he has never left you and has never forsaken you. Not once. Well, Apostle might have had some hard times. Yeah, but he was there. How do you think you got out of those hard times? Listen, <laughs> I was thinking about this. You know, we always talk about, listen, you just don't know what I've been through. And sometimes I want to grab somebody and shake them. I said, but listen, for you to go through something means there's something that's behind you. At least you're through. I've been through hell. Well, to get through it, it has to be behind you at some point. And he's there with you the whole time. The prayer of Jesus. Don't take them out of the world. Take them through. <laughs> Listen, the only escape plan any of us have is the heart of Jesus. That's it. That is the escape. That's, that's how we get to heaven. Are you guys Okay. Track with me for a minute. I didn't say you have to die to get there. I'm saying that's where heaven is, is in the heart of Jesus. And if you want to start talking about thrones, there's all kinds of thrones. They're all the same with all kinds of labels. He sits on the throne of my heart. He He's seated in heaven. So is he seated in different places or the same place? Or, or is my Sunday school teachers, right? Is heaven in my heart? But then I also am in him, but he's also in his father and his father's in him. You guys, are you guys seeing what I'm getting at here? He is the air we breathe. He's the song we sing. <laughs> He's every good thing. I lo- I lo- there's a song I listen to. He's my can't explain. So there are moments where I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know what to say. And it doesn't matter if I can explain it all. <laughs> I-, I just know this. I don't want to live a weak gospel. I don't want to live with weak mindsets. And if I can start right here with this pillar of truth about God's ability and capacity to not only love me, but to love everyone, including the unlovable, if I can start right there, it's going to go a long way to helping me live with a sound mind. Buying into his agape. Our failures make his one-way love that much more glorious. Could you imagine if he only reserved his agape for the elite and perfect? No. He gives this unexplainable love to everyone, including the absolute worst. It levels the playing field. What qualifies us for service, hear this, is God's devotion to us, not our devotion to him. Let's take this just for one second. got to be done. The open vision with Isaiah. When the Spirit asks, is there anyone that I can send? That whole picture, we assert ourselves as Isaiah because we all can relate. Oh, here we are exposed to the glory of God. We're exposed to the manifest presence of God. I want to fall apart at the seams. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unworthy. And what God is trying to show us is a picture of how that reconstruction works for each one of us. Being exposed to His presence it's about helping us live a lifestyle of service. But it's not service based on our ability. It's service based on his ability. It's not service based on my devotion. It's service based on his devotion. In other words, I'm able to do for him only because of what he has done for me. God's not looking for a cowboy. He's not looking for a lone ranger. He's not looking for a a soldier of fortune. He's looking for someone who can understand that Jesus has also washed my feet. He's looking for Peter who sits there humiliated and sees Jesus washing his feet. This is as plain as I can say it, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. The value of our lives rests in God's infinite, incomprehensible, unconditional love for us, not our love for Him. Because my love for God, unfortunately at times, it won't pass the test. There'll be times where it will fall short, but His love will never fail his love will never miss the mark his love will never fall short in fact his love will will always overflow it'll be better than i deserve it'll go it'll go farther than i can imagine such relief <laughs> when you hear something like that you can take a deep breath <sighs> just say thank you for such an amazing So Lord, we just thank you for the start of this new series, The Sound Mind. In this session, talking about love, Lord, I just thank you. Perhaps we'll do this at the end of each session. Lord, where we've had this weak mindset about our ability to love you, and we've put all of our focus, all of our attention, our strength on how much we love you and, and how exhausting it can be. Lord, we're going to replace that weak mindset with a sound mindset, which is you love me. 1 John 4.19. I am only able to love because somehow you loved me first. Lord, I'm so thankful that you provided the solution. Before I even knew there was a problem, you provided, you provided love. Before I ever felt starved for it, it was already there. That's what I'm just thankful for. That, that your perfect love, which is you, it's your per, it's your personhood. That is who God is. He is love. Or that I trust the ability of your love to never. Lord, I just thank you if it's true of me, it's true of everyone watching, it's true of everyone listening. So now what do we do? We take that amazing love, that agape, that unconditional love, and for ourselves, it feeds into the power of our sound mind, but then also it is an amazing tool to introduce people to the great awakening of who you have always been on the inside of them. I just thank you for all these things. Now we decree them by faith in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.